Hi, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Can you hear me good? Yes. Can you hear me good? Fantastic. Are you in Hawaii? I am. <laughs> oh, lucky you. Yeah, it's hot. Really? Where, which island are you? I'm on Oahu. Okay. Hi, I'm Cyril, your host, and welcome to my podcast that I called I Really Want to Do This. In this podcast, I interview guests from all walks of life and try to understand the various ways that different types of people with different backgrounds and experiences succeed in achieving their goals in their very own ways. Think of the past 10 years in your own life. Have you had a personal goal, an objective? Maybe you call it a dream of doing this one thing. You really want to do that one thing, whatever it may be, but for some reason, you never succeeded in making it actually happen. Well, by showcasing successful achievers and asking them how they did it, I sincerely hope that this podcast will give you some ideas and maybe answers on where to start, how to proceed, in order to actually do that one thing that you really want to do. Hi everyone, this is Cyril, and thanks again for coming today. We have a great guest, her name is Jennifer, and where are you, Jennifer? How are you doing today? I'm great. I am here in Honolulu, Hawaii, um, on the island of Oahu. Wow. I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do. <laughs> and are you there for work or for vacation? Or uh, I mean, I've, I've lived here for the past 15 years. Okay. Okay. So you, so, call, it, yeah. you call it home. I do. I call it home. Mm. And tell us about yourself. Where were you born? So I was born in Portland, Oregon, and um, I grew up um, in a in a suburb of Portland uh, called Westland, Oregon. So that's kind of where I was until the age of eighteen. Yeah, and then did you travel? What's between the moment you left Oregon and 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 now? Where I you did, you know. <laughs> So crazy. I actually got married at a very young age to my best friend. He was in the military. We're still like brother and sister right now. I mean, we're just such, such good friends. Um, but, um, we, um, he was stationed in, in Florida and then in Cal in California. So, um, I lived in California for, I want to say two, two and a half years, um, right before I left right at about my 21st birthday, um, moved out here to Oahu. So, Oh, wow. And how old were you when you got married? 18. Oh, wow. So you're passionate. <laughs> you got to be. I like... am. I got too much passion. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. Like you want something, you go for it. You love it. I do. If I, yeah, I do. I'm definitely um, a go-getter and I, yeah, I'm very adventurous and very sporadic and sometimes yeah. it gets me in trouble, but for the most yeah. part, it's worked out pretty well for me. Oh, you'll tell us about this. But so when you decided to get married at 18, 
did you have anybody saying oh, it's not a great idea like your parents did you think or but you said you're very independent look like you're like you're you do what you want have you always been yeah. that way or you know i have um and i think i get that from from my parents you know my parents have always been super supportive of me even when they didn't necessarily agree i think their kind of philosophy on things is you know you can't you can't really tell someone what's right and wrong Um, to a certain extent, you know, they got to figure it out for themselves. So, you know, my yeah. parents love, loved and still love my, my ex-husband. So they were really supportive and um, it, it was, it went really smooth. So no, mm. no issues. <laughs> so tell me about uh, when you grew up and your childhood with those two, those two parents, uh, tell me about them and tell me about siblings you might have. Yeah. So, uh, I have one sister. She is, uh, 11 months older than me. So I guess you call that Irish twins. We're super What? close. Yeah. We're super <laughs> close in age. <laughs> Same year. Don't tell me one is January. One is December. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, one is January and one is February. Okay. But one born in 85, one born in 86. Okay. Got so it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, my, sister and I complete polar opposites. Um, you know, growing up, uh, we didn't through high school, we did not get along just two totally different people, different lives, different, um, I guess ideas on, you know, what we wanted to do. <laughs> Who was But, the first um, one? Was that her or you? It was her. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's so. funny that you're raised by the same parents and probably the same daily routine but you grow up to be so different and it's probably in reaction yeah. to her right like my we're five in my kid in my family and my older brother obviously he's the one who has always the final word we're 15 months apart so it's kind of similar to you but he always yeah. seems to be like the the wiser and the oldest he has you know the right final word and i'm like no i just do what i want you know <laughs> as a reaction i guess <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. My sister and I, I, I feel like I, even still today, you know, I'm, I've always been the more adventurous one and the one, you know, taking risks and my sister's more, she's more reserved. Um, she always just wanted to be a mom and uh, have a family, which she, she has that now. So that's, that's great. Um, my mom was a, was a stay at home mom. I mean, she did a lot, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Stay at home parenting is just oh, yeah. insanely difficult. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I grew up having my mom around, you know, she just waited on my sister and I hand and foot took us everywhere. Um, my dad was a traveling shoe salesman. Um, he did eventually settle down, you know, and work, you know, in a town away, but, um, he was never really around too much. And when he was, it was kind of, he was tired. <laughs> yeah. So he would come so, and rest and didn't want to deal with the two girls all the time. <laughs> yeah. But then as I got older, you know, my dad and I, um, became super close because I'm more of the tomboy of the family. And my dad, um, once I got, you know, into middle school, my dad and I would just go fishing in the summer every other weekend, mm. you know, we'd, we'd go on his drift boat and, uh, fly fishing. And so I grew up camping with my dad and my sister was more of the shopping and girly stuff with my mom. So. Mm. What were your, if you had to dis describe them, what your personally traits Um, and I'm interested to see the ones you were born with and, and the one that you've built. And 
And I'm interested in this because I think it, it could give a lot of information on how you decided after to take decisions and, and what challenges you took on. So your personality traits. Yeah. Um, and this, this, what I'm about to say might come to a surprise to a lot of people, but I think it's, it's a great question. And I do love answering it because I feel like a lot of people can relate to this, but maybe a, a lot of people aren't as open about it as I, as I am, but you know, growing up, I was a very, very, I had severe depression and, and, and suicidal attempts. And, um, I really struggled. I struggled all through high school and I just couldn't seem to want to have the will to live. I mean, I couldn't figure out what it was. It was, it wasn't, it didn't seem like anything that was really personally going on in my life. I mean, you know, trauma here and there, but it was more of a chemical imbalance for me. So mm. growing up, that's something that I really struggled with. And, you know, being young, it was something that I, you know, when you're young, it's really hard to look at your future and see something because you're yeah. just so naive and you, you don't have a clue, you know, what's going on. And um, I was angry and, you know, went down the wrong path, started hanging out with the wrong people. And I swear, man, I just woke up one day and I said, that's enough is enough. I don't want to live this really? life anymore. Yeah. And that's when I got married. And um, of course it happened, you know, a little slower than just waking up one morning. But um, I, I truly believe I had many guardian angels with me. I'm not, you know, I'm not a severely religious person. I, I'm not a Christian or anything uh, to that um, respect, but you know, I, I do believe that there was someone there, you know, to save me. Cause when I say suicide attempts, I'm talking in the hospital should have died Wow, a few times. So, um, yeah. So I think that those experiences alone and whatever will to survive, I had deep down inside of me and the support that I had, you know, my family, not so much my friends, but I had a very good, you know, family support system that was, you know, they, they wanted me around. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's really shaped me into the person that I am today. And uh, so how old how were I, you when, when you, when you said you decided it was not like, I really want to do this moment. It was, I really don't want to be like that anymore. You know? So yeah. how old were you and, and can you, identify is it just a personal decision like that's it you know I, th I think so I think that I mean for me I think when I decide to do something I'm, I can be very um, impulsive so maybe um, I can't exactly pinpoint it but I do know that it was when I got out of high school and probably away from a lot of the drama and I decided that you know I I actually was seeing a lot of people around me going down these paths that I was going down and, you know, they were dying. I mean, we're talking car accidents, drinking and driving drug overdoses. And I think just a, just a, a combination of those things started to awaken me. Like, you know, mm -hmm. this is life. Like it's so precious and it can be taken away even if you didn't ask for it. So who was I to be the one to make the choice whether I live or die? You know, it's yeah. 
yeah, it was just, it was just a strange, I guess. I mean, maybe it took me a year to realize it a few months. I really don't know, but I just looking back, I feel like something hit me and I'm not exactly sure what it was. The only thing you can hope for is just to get over it and, and then embrace life to the fullest. Yeah. And once you do, it's like you, you know, I look back and I just think everything. I think my parents, I think, I think myself, I think the universe that I've, you know, that I survived through that and I was able to endure that struggle And I still struggle with it. You know, I'm 35 years old and I still struggle with depression, but I've learned how to, to cope with it. And it's, I know it's a part of me. So. Let's look at the silver lining. What did it create in you that is valuable in in your daily life? Um, I know, I mean, I, I know you're, all the things you've done so is it like resilience and endurance and tell us definitely (laughs) definitely I mean I think like I said earlier you know looking back it was something that I never thought I was going to get through and looking back at how I you know I got through it and I think now the silver lining is that I can take things in my life And realize, you know, this is only a moment. This is a moment. This is a feeling. This is an emotion. Mm -hmm. This is a whatever it is, whether I'm racing or I'm at work and I'm dealing with something stressful, like it's like this too shall pass, right? Yes. It's just, it's all about, and you know, and I I was telling my mom the other day, endurance isn't just for sports. It's for everything in your life. Yeah, totally. These, this um, quote these two shall pass. I really like it because when I read about it, I thought it was always when you have a hard moment, you think these two shall pass or these two will pass. And then you get to a good moment, but it's actually so true in the opposite way. When it's so such a good moment, you have to remind yourself these two shall pass because obviously everything has an end and that good moment is going to be gone. Right. And so that makes you enjoy that particular instant in the present so well uh talking about quotes and uh, motos do, do you have a motto that you carry your own with you when you wake up or you know i'm more of a i don't know if it's considered a motto or a quote but it's it's one that i've carried with me with with me for a very long time I actually keep it in a locket i wrote it on a piece of heart paper and it's um it's a quote by albert einstein and it's he says he who who can no longer pause to wonder stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead his eyes are closed and to me that's something that i i try to remind myself every day and everything i do you know open your eyes. Cause I feel like we can get complacent, you know, as human oh, beings, yeah. even here, oh, yeah. I've oh, been yeah. in Hawaii for 15 years, you know, I don't look at things the same. So that quote and that, that motto, I guess for me is to remind myself to remember how lucky I am and, and to look around and appreciate everything, people, my environment, nature, you know, the things that I have, the things that I'm doing. So I guess if I had to pick one, that's been with me the longest. Oh, I love it. Be grateful, thankful, and remember how lucky we are. Yeah, 
it's true for me remembering all this i do it through my trips La last year no the year before because i was no that was 2020 january i went to africa for two weeks uh it was last minute a friend said hey we are going to togo west africa and and uh, we were doing this road trip bike trip do you want to join in and i bought a flight literally three days before i arrived well a little bit more it was a week i'm lying because i had to get the shots and mm. the yellow fever and all those shots talking about vaccine i got all of them in one go <laughs> <laughs> but i arrived and then you know i had never been to africa i always wanted to go and then you see like poverty you see uh how lucky we are um not only in in america but all, all the western countries uh like the developed countries and and i always say wow i, I wish i could come with you know people that are not thankful anywhere like look this is is such a good reminder. Tell us about your some of the adventures that you've done, um, canoeing and, and kayaking, because I think it's it's really relevant to. to <laughs> oh, I've done quite a few. Um, I recently, back in 2018, just got into ultra endurance racing, and I think that's kind of where the major traveling kind of started so um i first did my first endurance race was in missouri the mr340 um then the following year i went and did the yukon river quest up in canada um yeah that's where i met you yay, that's where wow. we met <laughs> wow. yeah that that to me was just like wow in my next life i'm going to have sled dogs and live in the yukon i just fell in <laughs> love with that place i mean yeah. i just i don't know what it is if i had a past life there or i just yeah. i just took my breath away yeah so there's that and um then I've been to Alabama. I paddled the Alabama 650 last year. I'm going to do it again this year. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, I've traveled to, I got lucky enough to get asked to be on the Team USA Dragon Boat. Wow. And yeah, and that for me has been just such a rewarding experience. I mean, we've been to Hong Kong and Thailand and we've competed in Kunming, China. And wow. it's just... I, I feel so fortunate and so lucky to be involved in these organizations. It's just been awesome. Mm. So good. All right. Look, let's, I, I love that. Uh, now I feel like I get, we get to know you a little bit better. I, I love these personal uh, moments and thank you so much for sharing them. Uh, it's really meaningful to the podcast. Let's go into the thick of the podcast, which is, I really want to do this. Okay, so this is how I work. I feel something like I want to do it. I really want to do it. And I can't really explain why. It's just, you know, maybe unconscious or there's the feeling that I can imagine I will get once I get to my objective. Do you have any of these moments and uh, that you want to share? And, uh, and not only I'm in, interested in what it is, but also if we can see a pattern of how this helped you throughout your life to make things happen? And were there stepping stones one after the other? Uh, so I'd let you comment on that. 
Well, gosh, it's a, it's a hard one. Cause I have something I really want to do, but then, um, I, I guess I'll talk about, I guess I'll talk about MR340. I mean, back in, back in 2018, I mean, it was kind of interesting how it even started. I, and I talk about this in some of my own podcasts about how I was sitting in the, the, so the living room. Misery race, uh, 340 miles long. Yes. Yes. 340 miles across the state from Caw Point, which is, you know, far West over to, um, St. Charles, Missouri. So yeah, it's, uh, all on the Missouri river. I had never heard about it, had no idea this kind of race even existed. And, uh, I had, I had done, um, I had previously done, uh, you know, some shorter races, 30, 40 miles on OC six, um, with my team here, outrigger canoe club on Oahu. Mm-hmm. And I've done, you know, some races, um, you know, they're around, around on other right. islands and stuff. Yeah. And I was, I was over, uh, you met John, right? John Puakea. Yes. Yukon. Yeah. Him. Yes. Yeah. So he was over, um, doing some clinics for Kihei canoe club and, I went off with a friend. Um, he's from the East coast. He's a big stand-up guy. Cause I used to stand up paddleboard and he basically was, Hey, I had all this stuff in his living room. I said, what are you doing? He had like axes and bear spray and all kinds of stuff. I said, what are you getting ready to do? <laughs> and he said, well, I'm getting ready to do the Yukon 1000. And I said, well, what is that? Yeah. And he, he explains it to me and I just was frothing at the mouth. Like this, just like, are you kidding me? There are races where people are just by by themselves in the wilderness and you're racing and you, it's just, I just, I was like, wow. So, you know, of course he explained to me that you have to have pre-qualifier, you know, races under your belt and you got to throw in an application and all this stuff. And of course it happens every other year. And so I said, okay, well, that's not a possibility. And he said, oh, well, there's all these other races. You should look into them. And he gives me a website. And I swear, I went home the next day and started researching and saw the MR340 as something that was going to be the most doable. Now, it was going to be like three months from that day. And, you know, it's 340 miles. I haven't paddled anything past, yeah. you know, 40, 42 right. at the most. The Molokai, yeah. 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 And, you know with that, I was with, I was with a team. So this was going to be solo. I had no idea, you know, what boat you could use. I had no idea about anything. And my biggest challenge was of course going to be finance, right? So being a single parent, um, it's, it's difficult. I got to find childcare and I don't have family on Oahu. I've got to find, you know, money to buy the flight. I've got to do all these things. And so that for me was kind of the moment where it's like, okay, I'm going to make this happen, but how am I going to make this happen? And, you know, I was lucky enough. John actually helped me quite a bit, got me a boat, um, drove me (laughs) there. So, uh, so what was your strategy? Like mine is I'm going to call everyone I know that has done something remotely close to what, what that challenge is. Is that your method? Yeah. I mean, definitely resources. Uh, my method is finding resources, finding the, you know, the most I can out of the race. Uh, I know that I looked on Facebook and I actually found an MR340 group, which is 
huge. If yeah. you were to look at it today, we're talking, I bet there's thousands of people on that and they just love it. I mean, we're talking volunteers and racers and family members. Yeah. So definitely looking for resources and, uh, you know, just trying to figure out how am I going to make this happen? Because I'm definitely going to make this happen. And how I made it happen was I signed up for it so that I and couldn't change my mind. Yes. Then the <laughs> and clock then I starts. bought my flights. Yeah. yeah. Three months. <laughs> and then, so did you have a, a spreadsheet and you say, okay, this is what I need to do physically and, and finance and hotels and... I did. And I'm actually a very, very organized person. And one of the most exciting things about these races for me are the getting ready for it. So I definitely planned everything out. Um, I had my spreadsheet. I had my, I actually plastered or, you know, taped a, a map of the whole course on my, my white wall in my bedroom so that it was like, I'm envisioning it, you know, and I, I'm calculating things, figuring out, you know, exactly where the checkpoints are and all this stuff and what I'm going to need and researching and talking to other people that have done it. I can see you're very passionate. It's like once you have something in your mind, it just takes 90% of your brain, doesn't it? Or something like this. Because this is me. Like last year, I was not working. I was fully dedicated to my crossing. And I was like, how do Astley do to share a job and that and, and their passion because like 90, I would wake up in the morning and I had ideas of what I was going to do, but it's all dedicated to that one thing. Oh, it's passion, isn't it? I love that word. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I probably have too much of it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you balance it? Because sometimes oh, I, too much. I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i i think i have a hard time with that i think i have a hard time um balancing especially you know balancing my emotions but as we talked about earlier that's been a challenge for me since i was young so i still struggle with it but uh you know it's not it's not a bad thing i, I started looking at it in a positive light you know it's yeah not looking at it so negatively but yeah i definitely still have a I have a hard time <laughs> balancing it. Oh, I think sometimes it's best to embrace and say, this is who I am and, you know, I'm unique. And Let's go back to your planning. I want to know all your strategy. So now you're three months away. So you start to paddle because you say, okay, well, what, what boat were you going to use? Um, like a canoe? Yeah. So I decided what I wanted to do because there, I actually talked to the race director and I asked him, this is the funny thing. When I actually entered the MR340, there weren't any spots left, but I emailed the race director and I said, look, I'm coming all the way from Oahu and I want to bring this OC1 and they don't have OC1s. They, they've never had an OC1 compete. Right. They have these things called river hawks, but they're, they're not the same. So, um, he said, yes, you know, he was excited to have someone from Oahu come yeah. to the race and I'm sure he figured someone was going to pull out at the last minute since usually anywhere from four to 500 boats enter. So I knew that I wanted to showcase, uh, John Puakea's new boat at the time, uh, which was the, I believe it was the Kahe Kai. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. So I took that, that was the boat that I was going to use. Um, we had one issue, no kick up rudder. So he actually had to make a kick up rudder. Yeah. Well, the main thing is, is there, there's a lot of flooding over there. So it's not so much rocks, it's logs and trees and okay. all that stuff. So that just, he really dove into that project. He was excited about it. Um, so he did that. And there's no limitation to what kind of vessel you could use. Like at the Yukon River Quest, you have to have certain width of boat. And on, nope. on the MR340 is like take a, any vessel and go down. You can take any vessel. And you'll have to look this up. Uh, I don't know. The the one that won this year and that tries to win every boat. year. It's called the Kraken. Yeah. Yes, I've seen it. It's <laughs> that so thing cool. is insane. Oh, I pa it passed by me. Um, Joe Mann. He's always on that thing. Um, he's an incredible athlete and he, <laughs> I just giggle and it just looks so funny yeah. going by. <laughs> yeah. It's like a spider that is wa walking. Yeah. You know? kind of yeah. So um, I think my biggest, my biggest plan or strategy here was that, you know, I'm, I'm paddling on the ocean out here. We don't have rivers and things like that, that are going to really simulate the Missouri river. So what I chose to do was paddle on this canal called the Alawai. And it is just known for just being terribly disgusting, dirty. Um, you know, people get staph, uh, leptospirosis, flesh eating, whatever, oh, you know, and I, I was smart about it. You know, I didn't have any open wounds, but we're talking really disgusting water. Um, but a great, great place to train. It's flat. Um, it's got markers on it, you know, meter markers. Actually, a lot of uh, Olympians come here and train on the Alawai. Mm. Um, a lot of the rowers were here uh, before the Olympics this year training on it. So it's great training ground. It's just dirty. <laughs> Any current on it? Like uh... there, There's a little bit. They just dredged it. So not as much as there was. It's a lot more free flowing now. But there was a bit of current. But that's just because there was areas where it was shallow. Um, but you can get a really good headwind on it. Um, so it's, it's really a great place to train. And, you know, I was at the time working full time, had my son and I had to take him to school and go to work. So I was getting up at three o'clock in the morning training mm. until, I mean, we're talking piling hours on the aloe. I just in a straight line, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for anywhere from two to four hours. I was, you know, putting in my music and just getting time in the boat and time on the water. Cause my strategy wasn't so much get in, you know, get in really, really, really good physical shape. It was more like get in really good mental shape. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Be able to conquer the boredom and figure out what part of my body, you know, was going to start hurting at what point in time and what I needed to adjust. So how many hours is the, the, the race more or less? Like well, 45? you have 88, well, you have 88 hours to complete it. Most people try to do it in 50, but I mean, it can take you anywhere from, I think the record is 35. Um, but most people are finishing around 50. So it's got to be super hard to be on, on your butt for so many hours. Oh, it's terrible. It's so it's you terrible. get numb on the <laughs> left, left leg first, and then you just don't feel it. Yes. 
You do. I mean, I'm not going to say you don't feel it. You definitely do feel it. And I think that's, you know, talking about mental endurance that that's one of the things that in these races, you you're either going to deal with it or you're not because it's not going away. It's not going to yeah. go away. Yeah. So you train on that river and then once you get there is, is the actual ev event, um, the same idea that you, you had in mind or you thought it was going to be, or was it very different? And how about your attitude? Are you happy with how you dealt with it? Or do you think, oh, I'm not ready or you did great. And what was your, I... the reality check compared to what you had in mind before? Well, first and foremost, I was just happy. I finished. Um, I, you know, went into that thing with that, mindset like just finish you're not trying to win this is yeah. your first race i'm not going to go in there with an ego you know i these they call them river rats right <laughs> the the river rats are just so i mean they know their river they yeah. they know the yeah. currents the channel the the everything read i mean it perfectly yeah it's crazy i mean and you know you look at some of these people and they may not look like the most fit people that we have this idea in our head that an athlete should look like, but these people yeah. can just out paddle you for days. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, it was definitely very, um, I was very in, inspired and I was, I guess, wrapped in awe. You could say that, you know, these people really knew, knew the river. And, um, for me, I think the biggest surprise was, I didn't know how, I mean, I grew up on the river, but I never paid attention to, Oh, him stay in the channel. And there's the back Eddie and all that. I never. So that was very humbling to me. I was just kind of, I bet I've, if someone was taking a, you know, yeah, taking was, my line, I was just zigzagging. And, <laughs> yeah. to, and I feel like I had an aha moment at about mile 250, like, aha, there's yeah, mile markers <laughs> or there's channel markers. I should follow them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, in those races, yeah. you always feel like the, the other side of the river is going faster, right? Exactly. Like, I, I should cross over there. So you cross there, and then you look on the other side. Actually, it seems to be faster on the other side. Why did I move? It's so and true. The, and then you go back, and you're just like, yeah. oh, God. And the local guy yeah. stays and just gets past you and say, what the heck is this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. So that was very humbling for me. Um, another thing was, you know, I had no idea. I had a, a pair of guys tell me that, because I did a little bit of training in Oregon since John and I drove from Oregon um, on, on our river. So I had a little bit of river training on the Willamette and the Tualatin River in Oregon. And um, they said, oh, you need to stay up all night and then go paddle for six hours. And I thought to myself, I don't want to know what that feels like before I feel it, because if I don't like it, then I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't do it. So that was a real like kick in the face, you know, was the not sleeping. And gosh, I think I slept in that first year, a total of two hours and 20 minutes It was like oh, an wow. hour here, 20 minutes here, 40 minutes there. Um, so that to me was just the hallucinating. It was my first experience hallucinating, you know, from not sleeping. So that was a real like, whew, that was, that was scary. Was it the visual hallucination or? Yes. Yes. I actually had a, I had a hallucination. There was a giant whirlpool 
in the middle of the river that was sucking me down into like this vortex. And I actually ended up turning up river to try to get away from it and screaming. (laughs) (laughs) I remember it too. It's so crazy. And then eventually I look back and it's not there anymore. And then I just started crying. Oh, wow. That's when I knew like, I got to get some sleep. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I, I remember my first Yukon River quest is the same. You look at the wall and you're sure that there's like a guy who carved a tiger and, <laughs> or like anything, you know, in the tree. And like, I swear there's like this shape and you come and you get closer and closer and the shape is gone. It's like, what? My brain just made it on my last experience. So uh, when I attempted to go to Hawaii, I had a different kind of hallucination I had never before. It was more sound. It was not oh. visual because I was stuck three days in the cabin because the wind was so strong. Oof. And there were voices talking to me because, well, obviously I'm looking at the ceiling is right there, right? So I closed my eyes and any kind of sound in the boat was turned into somebody talking to me. And that was really, really interesting. It's, it's not visual. It was, it was a sound. Interesting. Yeah. Haven't had that before. Well, come with me and we go to Hawaii on my kayak then. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> I love it. Once you did this this race, did it? How did it feel to to get there? Did you feel? Um, how did it feel? To get to the finish line, or yeah, finish. Mean? Gosh, it felt. I mean, I just just a flood of emotions, tears of joy and relief and just accomplishment. I mean, I, I'm a very emotional person. I definitely, I actually stopped paddling and this seems to be my, my MO (laughs) because I seem to do this a lot. I'll stop paddling about, I don't know, a quarter mile from the end when I can see the finish line, I'll stop because it's almost a bittersweet moment where it's like, I'm so happy that I'm done, but I don't want the adventure to end. And yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's basically what it was. I mean, I was so happy and just felt so accomplished because I, I remembered I had a, I had a few people um, back on Oahu that didn't think I was going to make it. (laughs) And, you know, it, it hurts when people don't, you know, they, they, second guess you and I don't like that and I think for me it was kind of I also felt like you know I did it against all doubt I did this and it really sucked but then it kind of lit a fire in me I just Mm -hmm. I was like this is this is what I'm doing I want more (laughs) so what I my the word that I use is overwhelming emotions and you know how you comes in the chest and then the, the throat and like under under the ears right there and you just can't control it it's like overwhelming you and then you feel you know you cry of happiness but it's you know it's of joy it's, you know it's like um when somebody dies you could feel those overwhelming emotions but they're negative but this in that that moment is like overwhelming like but positive you know you're like so happy you just let it go and, it, and you feel so alive don't you yeah absolutely and and in some ways i mean i mean i don't know because i haven't never been depressed but do you think it could be 
feeling the opposite of what you had felt, like, but in a, a joyous, positive way? Is it, am I I do. Or? No, I do. And I think, I think the way I look at it is, you know, it's, it's almost kind of like I went through all that suffering. I, I mean, call it what you will, but it, it is suffering. I'm suffering out there and, you know, whether it be physically or mentally, and then you get to the end and it's like, I realized I can conquer this suffering. And yes. I, I, I yeah. you know, and that's when I was younger, I looking back, it's like, I can conquer that suffering. And I did conquer that suffering. And for me, it's almost, uh, what do they call that masochism or something? Where, yeah. But it where recalls like, your victory that the, yes. the, maybe the strongest victory of your life, yes. you're reminded of it. Right. Exactly. And I love that recalls your victory. I mean, that's exactly, I think what it is, is it's just, it's a feeling of like, let's put myself through hell and let's come out on top. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Well, I have, I have no idea why I'm doing this, but I seem to be also looking for a bigger and bigger and bigger challenge. Uh, it's not linked to a trauma that I had, but maybe something I have to prove myself. I don't know. But <laughs> I, <laughs> we all have our reasons to do it, right? Uh, at some point, I know I'm going to have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> never, <laughs> like, never. <laughs> well, maybe age is just going to say, look, I'm 45, you know, and, and your elbow and your joints, they don't like that too much. Maybe you should do something or find another way to be satisfied. Maybe, you know, sharing with more people and have them being successful. Uh, have you, are you at that point yet? Or, or you just say, well, next, what's the next one? I am definitely not at that point yet. I have so many more things I want to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw a name out here that this woman just inspires me every, every day. I mean, I, I think about her when I'm paddling or when I'm getting ready for a challenge. I don't know if you've heard of um, Sally. No. Sally O'Donnell. She, 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 I believe is about to turn 62 and she's killing it. She's killing it out there. She, she just, she just won the MR340. She won the Alabama 650. I mean, this woman is just, Wow. And it's just wild. On a, on a canoe? Uh, I think she was in a V8 Pro for the MR340, so a kayak. Um, she double blades. Um, but, mm. yeah, she's, she oh, inspires me. So that's why I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm 35 years old. Yes, I have, you know, injuries. I've got my elbow. I've got, you know, tendon issues in my arms. But it's like it's here. I feel like there's so much more growing that I can do up here in my, in my mind, you know, I know my body's not going to last. I know that I know I have injuries. I've got L4, L5 bulging discs. I mean, I've, I've got pain, but I, I strongly believe that I can do a lot more of these yeah. races and I, I plan on it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't plan on stopping. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm I, on I, fire. You... As a conclusion, I've got three questions I always ask. If you had uh, one takeaway or one advice you would give somebody, the listeners, what would that be? That's an easy one for me. I tell my sister this all the time. <laughs> I say, you know, if you're 
not happy in your life with whatever you're doing, whether it be work or whether it be, you know, a relationship or anything, anything. Um, or if there's something that you want to do, you know, don't, don't limit yourself. Don't, don't keep making excuses of, oh, I can't do it because of this and this and this, you know, you, you, you got to make it happen. You know, you have one life and life is mm-hmm. precious. And, you know, mm-hmm. I can say this firsthand. I mean, I tried to end it at 16, you know, and look at me now. I mean, I would have never experienced all of these things. And, you know, it's, if you want something bad enough, you'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's, that would be my advice for people. If you, if you can, if you can dream it, then you can do it. Yeah. I love it. I think you and I are so similar in many ways. <laughs> I never knew that, but it's true. But the advice then after it's is how to break it down. Like, okay, do it, but how do you make room in your life? How do you make the finance? How do you make, you know, find the job? And yeah, part of the answer is also that people want things, but they don't want the, the sacrifice that it comes with. When mm-hmm. you say you're training because you had to take care of your son and you have to work and you were getting up in the morning, that's the part that people say, nah, you know what? I, I don't know if I want it that bad. Yeah. But if it's a worthy goal, I think, yeah, you find the energy and it doesn't feel like work. And um, there's a book. There's a book called How Bad Do You Want It? If you ever want to oh, pick really? that book up. It's called How Bad Do You Want It? It's on Audible too. If you have, you know, if you want to listen to it in the car, but it's a great book. I've read it twice. So, but there's other things that people don't want that bad, but they still should do. Like, Okay, yeah, I want to start right. guitar. Well, they always postpone it, postpone it, postpone it because they don't, you don't need it. They don't want it that bad. But they think, well, what if I were to start a guitar? You know, well, do that too. You know, all these little things that you think you should do will start them, right? Yeah. Uh, question number two the reveal of the song. I ask my guests always to listen to a song before chatting because I think the power of music is so good to put people in a good mood. And I think it transpires in the, in the podcast. So what was your song? So could people go listen to it? <laughs> so my song, I'm so funny with music. I, I listen to whatever, whenever, but the one that I picked to listen to, and I was actually dancing around my house. We were, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was. <laughs> Um, it's by Miguel. It's called Pineapple Skies. And he's got this verse in there that says, you know, every little thing is going to be all right. Like Bob Marley says. Right. But yeah. it's just it's just such an uplifting, feel good song. And it just makes you want to just dance around the house. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. I don't know it, but I'll go check it out on YouTube. Yeah. Awesome. Where can people um, follow you learn more about you and and uh, get inspired more more by you do you, you have a website instagram facebook what, what not yeah so the things i'm most active on right now are my instagram which is uh pretty simple it's paddle fish surf three of my favorite things to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then um i actually started a youtube channel that's just you know my name jennifer Am I allowed to say my last name? Yes, you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jennifer Fratsky. Um, you can find that. I do have a link on my Instagram right now. I just, po- I actually just posted a video of my 
uh, footage of my 2019 um, Yukon River Quest experience. Wow. It only took me like two years to <laughs> get it together, to but yeah. Yeah. So, and there's, there's lots of good raw footage on there from Alabama 650. And that's kind of what I like to do. I like to, I like everything to be raw and let people know really what, you know, I like to sugarcoat things. Yeah. That's great. I no, no it. point. <laughs> yeah. And so the next few years, you're going to do the 650 again. Are you going to do the Yukon 1000? Is it on your bucket list? You know, I would have loved to. Um, unfortunately, I, I was signed up to do it. What was it last year? It got canceled. Then they pushed it to this year, canceled again, pushed it to next year. And my partner, yeah. um, she has other other endeavors that she wants to do. So not going to be doing it. Uh, that's actually one of my biggest goals is to paddle uh, the Yukon, whether it be the 1000 or do the whole thing source to sea. Um, it's just, wow. it's a huge goal of mine. Um, I yeah. really want to do it. I just got to find someone that wants to do it with me and I don't care if it's not a race. I just want to do it. Yeah. Go down. So yeah, there. that's, um, yeah, but Alabama six fifties in seven weeks. Yes. You're ready. And I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to do it solo. I was supposed to do it with a partner and again, they had to pull out. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm not ready yet. I'm nervous. <laughs> This race, this race makes me nervous. It really does. It's the first one that I'm like, you know, I did it last year, but for some reason this year, I'm very nervous about it because I was unprepared to do it solo. Yes. So I, I've got seven weeks to figure it out. <laughs> You'll do it. I know it. I will. I will. Well, we'll It'll be, be following fun. you. Keep sharing because it's, it's, it's great to follow you. Thank well, you. Jennifer, thank you so much for your vulnerability that you shared with us i think it's uh, it's going to help a lot of people that listen to that podcast and see themselves i But hope so I thank hope you so. so much yeah that was great thank you Thanks, aloha Jennifer. thank you so much <laughs> thanks to everyone who's listening i'm your host cyril and remember life is an adventure live it Thanks, Jennifer. That was beautiful. Thank you. That okay. was great. Thanks. Bye-bye.